Hi, and welcome back to Reach for Wellness, a video podcast by Community Reach Center. We're located in the Adams and Broomfield counties. I'm your host, Vanessa Alarcon. I'm a licensed clinical social worker and a licensed addictions counselor. Today, is we are focusing on someone else's story with their lived experience with mental health. And I'm delighted to have Anjanette Page, our peer support specialist supervisor here. Anjanette, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I appreciate you having me here. Of course. I'm. We're going to be able to share or to hear from you uh, about your lived experience with mental health. But first, what is a peer specialist and what kind of job do you have here? Man, I'm so glad they did this. And uh, like our first peer support training, they're like, you need an elevator speech. So if you ever get on the elevator and you want to tell somebody what you do, you got this. We're on an <laughs> elevator now. So. <laughs> so a peer specialist is someone who has lived experience with mental illness, addiction, substance use, or combination of any of or all of those things. Okay. Some of us really like to overqualify ourselves. Gotcha. So um, we uh, we've been through our own journey. Hmm. We can see like the, the mental health industry in a different way hmm. because we've kind of been through it. And what we do is we provide support to others who are going finding themselves on their own journey and their own recovery path. Peer support's a little different than some of the other um, clinical things you might encounter, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, um, peer support is all about being self-driven, mm. finding finding that place within yourself that you decide what you want your recovery to look like. Mm. We often focus on what you look like on your best day, right? Yeah. Like, you look like... Like, what, what is that to you? For mm-hmm. me, that's someone who's playing with puppets and singing and acting yeah. and doing those things. And that's who I am on my best day. And we try really hard to help people find their recovery path the way they think it should go. Mm-hmm. And by encompassing those things that are them. And uh, it's been amazing. It's been an amazing wow. journey. Seems like a really meaningful experience to have to, you know, you have a lived experience, but then you're able to empower someone else. So what is your lived experience with mental health? Oh, how long do you have today, my <laughs> friend? No, just there's a blog. No. <laughs> there's puppet shows that tell you all about it, but we'll start at the we'll start kind of at the beginning. Okay. So I would say that I struggled with mental illness pretty much um, my entire life. I thought it was just depression. Um, I remember being suicidal at a very young age, probably about the age of 12. Wow. It was very wrapped up in in my body image issues that I had at the time. I didn't love that I was overweight. I didn't love that I was um, kind of this person that wasn't good enough, quote unquote. Those are the stories that I would hear in my head, right? So mm-hmm. I, uh, I struggled a lot. Um, I came from a very strict religious background, which um, therapy wasn't really on the table. Yeah, mm-hmm. not yet. Definitely grown, I think. But I, uh, I just didn't know how to handle anything, and it wasn't really given. I wasn't really given options as a kid. As mm-hmm. I got older, I was like, okay, I think I need therapy. Yeah. Okay. Pretty much sure. I'm pretty sure I need therapy. <laughs> so I started doing therapy, and just sometimes it kind of would work sometimes it wouldn't never really felt like we were hitting on what was really going on Mm. um kind of turned it all off and I just started to become the shell of a person of the person I once was um I thought I was going to be this famous singer 
couldn't have told me otherwise when I was in the high school. I would not have believed you. So I thought I was going to be this famous singer. I thought life was going to look a certain way. And then when it didn't, I didn't know how to cope. So I really shut down mentally. And I like started, um, I started just like kind of going into the things I knew I had to do. Like I had to be a mom. I had to like Mm. be a good wife. I had to do all these things. And I just lost myself. I stopped singing. I stopped acting. I stopped doing all the things. Um, I became a photographer and I started kind of getting my creative outlet through there. Mm -hmm. And I was a professional wedding photographer for about... I'd say about 15 years before this all happened. 15 years? That yeah. was, that's a stressful job, isn't oh, it? Oh, and it wasn't just, just any photography. I was doing weddings. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, lots of fun stuff with that. So um, I went and I did, I did a lot of wedding photography. And I started kind of in about 2016. I really started getting, like, a lot of anxiety around it. And I've always mm-hmm. had kind of this generalized anxiety feeling that mm-hmm. I've had to kind of, deal with my entire life and um, it just started to get worse Mm -hmm. and I ran into a couple of bridezillas a couple of things happened um, with my career things were starting to get really stagnant I wasn't really happy in my relationship Mm -hmm. I didn't know how to get out and uh, so I started leaning into some spiritual practices that I thought would work for me Mm -hmm. and as I did that (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I discovered that I could just disconnect from this reality pretty easily. Oh. I I would say that within a matter of um, probably about three months, I started hearing voices that other people couldn't hear, started seeing things other people couldn't see. Hmm. I was taking um, psychic medium classes, and so like that kind of opened up Pandora's box, right? And I started getting messages from these voices and um the messages were very much they gave me this really calm feeling and it Mm. and for the first time in my life I didn't have depression I didn't have anxiety I felt like I was part of this universal thing that was just this amazing Mm -hmm. thing and I just didn't know how to how to like be in this world Mm -hmm. and enjoy that still Mm. so it became pretty, pretty easy for me just to disconnect from this world. And I started like not engaging, um, and with my regular life, um, my, my family thought I was talking to walls. They, they observed me as someone who was really, really sick. And, um, these voices, they started to tell me that it was time for me to die. And they told me that it was going to be very peaceful. I was really in a euphoric state. I, I knew all growing up that you could be suicidal, that I could, that I personally could be suicidal in depression. Right. Um, I'd had that experience a lot, um, but I loved my family and that kind of always stopped me from doing anything major. Mm-hmm. But when I was in this euphoric place of feeling super connected to who I thought was God and Jesus mm-hmm. at the time I was hearing God, Jesus, Buddha, Chris Rock would sounded like Jesus to me. Oh, yeah, really? like he, that, that, he was my Jesus in my in my what the medical world calls psychosis. I like to call it um, like my my time and out of consensus reality. Huh? How come? 
Because the term psychosis really has a lot of stigma attached Mm. to it. And I think when people hear that word, they get really scared. Mm. And when I was given that word, they're like, you're in psychosis and you have this. What is this? I'm like, I'm 40 years old. Wouldn't Mm. I have known that this was happening like way before now, if this Mm. is what was really going on. So I couldn't Mm -hmm. accept it. Um, And then I... and a fellow peer, because we're amazing, <laughs> um, a fellow peer was like, yeah, don't use the word psychosis unless you really want to, because mm-hmm. I like the term out of consensus reality. It's a different reality that not everybody's privy to. And I was like, oh, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And I loved that. And so I kind of adopted that. Um, so it, it was a it was kind of a hard journey. Like the first mental... Um, the first mental hospital I went to, I have a hard time saying mental hospital <laughs> because my mind hospitals are there to heal and this particular hospital was not, did not, that. was not that for me. It very much felt like I was like put in this category of she has always been this way. Mm. She's never going to get better. This is how she is. And I thought I was having this real spiritual awakening and journey. Hmm. So there was nothing people could tell me that I was going to believe at that point, um, unless they were like actually talking to me about the voices I was hearing and the spirits I was hearing at the time. So the first, the first hospital didn't go well. However, about like, okay, so got, went to the hospital about, I, I learned pretty quickly how to like avoid all the questions and mm-hmm. say the right things mm-hmm. and not tell them that I was actually hearing voices. So, yeah. so I, uh, I learned pretty quickly how to do that. And then I disconnected even more. Mm-hmm. Like within that hospital, I actually think I actually started going further and further into out of consensus reality because it felt so triggering to me mm-hmm. and so upsetting that I wasn't being understood that my mind created more escape. Hmm. Um, I answered all the questions correctly, got out within a couple weeks. Voices again told me it was time for me to die about a month later. And they told me to write a letter and to just leave. So I just wrote a letter that I was gonna go pick up medication. Oh, the voices told you Yeah, the voices did, yeah. I, I, I went into my car and the voices told me to drive. They told me it was time for me to disconnect. I threw my phone out the window. Um, I ended up like in this weird location in Brighton that I never go to. They told me to um, abandon my car and not to go look back at my car because it was all part of my journey. And so I left the car on the highway. I threw away my wallet. I threw away my keys. It was winter. Um, I started walking, and I was walking for about three days in the winter. Ended up going back into... Three three days in the winter? Yeah, yeah. Did not feel like my feet didn't hurt. Nothing hurt because I was in such euphoric state that I couldn't even sense that, like, anything was wrong with my body. I ended up on a park bench, and... I guess I had been there six hours. Didn't feel like six hours to me, but a woman came by with a police officer and she said, Mm. I've seen her out here talking to herself for six hours. I think she needs help. And this officer 
so good. Like, oh, man, if I could find this guy, I would just like run him down and be like, let me bake you all the cookies. <laughs> um, he sat right down next to me and he actually just talked to me like a real person. And I know I disassociated while we were talking because I kind of came back too. And he was like, so you're waiting for your friend Sunshine to come help you? Mm -hmm. And I was like, yeah, Sunshine's my girl. She's totally going to come and help me. Mm -hmm. I didn't know anybody named Sunshine. Yeah. <laughs> but, I, but because he reflected that back to me, I was like, oh, yeah, I must have said that. Gotcha. Um, and then he was like, well, I'd like to help you, too. And he was like, can I help you? And I was like, yeah. At this point, the voices were telling me that they would be coming in and out of other people's bodies and that mm. they would be helping me and I would know when it was okay. So you're like, oh, this person's like, on this my side. I'm like, this person's safe. He's cool. Yeah. He's like talking to me with about my voices and stuff. Like, mm. he can be trusted. So um, he had an ambulance come. They took me to my second 72-hour mm -hmm. hold. And then gotcha. after that, I went to my second mental facility. And a 72-hour hold is like uh, a when someone's hospitalized, right, for involuntary reasons, so not by yes. choice, where they determine that, yeah, yeah, was, they need to be it hospitalized. It was definitely not voluntarily <laughs> either time. I was like, I was like running into exit signs yeah. and pushing doors that were locked, and I'm like, okay, it's a sign. I'm not supposed to go through this gotcha. door. Yeah, you know. <laughs> so, um, so I ended up going to the next hospital, and as we arrived, um, the next mental hospital, and as I arrived, there was the sunshine cleaning crew. And the sunshine cleaning crew was there, and they were like, hi. And I saw the word sunshine, mm -hmm. and I took that to mean that this was a safe place. Oh, so it was, wow. There's lots of wows, and, like, we, we would have to have many, yeah, yeah, like many more discussion. <laughs> you know, over Chili's, like, chocolate cake and stuff. But oh, yeah, yeah. We'll sounds get there. great. We'll get there. <laughs> so I, um, I went to... Um, I went into that hospital recognizing that I had just been in a mental hospital a month before, almost, to, to the day, actually. Wow. It was the exact day. January 20th, 2017 is when I went into the first one. February 20th, 2017 is mm -hmm. when I went into the second. And I, uh, I went in and I just kind of started crying and they're like, do you know why you're here? And I'm like, well, I was in one of these places a month mm -hmm. ago and they couldn't help me, maybe you can. And then I started telling them everything. I told them, like, who the voices were, what their names were, and I was just met with a lot of love and compassion. Hmm. It was a totally different scenario than the first time. So then when I went into my second hospital room, I sat on the bed, and I looked at the texture of the walls, and I thought, if I don't change something, I'm going to be in and out of mental hospitals for the rest of my life. Hmm. So I talked to my voices, and I said, if this is God, I've done everything you've asked me to do. I've gone into people's houses without being invited. I've mm. walked the streets. I've turned the corners right, left. Walked I've through done the all winter the snow. I've done all the things. I don't want to live my life this way. Mm. So it's not safe for me to continue to connect with you this way. Mm. And then I talked to another voice that had been playing a big part in my journey, and I said, kind of the same thing I'm like mm -hmm. I can't keep connecting to you this way it's not mm. safe yeah I, I don't want to be this way forever and I heard them say it's okay we'll always be with you and it's okay to disconnect and that is when I started having my healing journey and as I started going 
to the groups and mm-hmm. I started meeting peers and I started talking to people about what was really going on mm-hmm. and I was met with this place of like non-judgment. Mm-hmm. Everybody was just like, yeah, I, I get that part of your story. I've been through something similar. Mm-hmm. When I was met with that, that's when I started to realize that there was a reason I decided to disconnect from reality. There was a, there was a real hard moment between me like disconnecting from the voices and then kind of coming back to this reality because I thought I had been in the presence of God and like all the spiritual spiritual places and so like to make that decision to leave was really upsetting to my system and I I kind of hit probably the worst depression I've ever felt in my life but I knew I had to go through it in order to be in this reality so I went through it, and I leaned on peers, and I talked to people that had gone through similar experiences. The voices mm-hmm. would come every once in a while, but it, it wasn't like they were before. I'm getting a headache because yeah. I can feel them coming now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I um, so I kind of just did what I needed to do. Mm-hmm. And I did that for about a year and a half, oh, wow. and that's when I was like, I, I, I heard about peer support, and I was mm-hmm. like, I, I want to do this, and I also want to, I want to be better, I want to be the real me, and the real me is that singer and actress, and so I started a puppet show called The Bipolar Puppet, and I talked about what it was like to be diagnosed as bipolar, mm. and with bipolar, and um it, it, it was an interesting thing because I was given this diagnosis and I couldn't accept it at first. Hmm. Bipolar one with psychotic features. As that's my official diagnosis. The names are so stuffy, aren't they? <laughs> I know. Yep. And and I I couldn't I couldn't wrap my head and I never will wrap my head around the psychotic features because to me this was a spiritual thing that I had going on Um, I had a wonderful therapist tell me he's like you actually had a spiritual crisis it wasn't a mental crisis and I was like oh my gosh that's so true Mm. it really tapped into a lot of like my past trauma with religion and a lot of other things that had just come up because I just didn't know how to be in this world and be happy so that's when the journey just really started to go I started really embracing who I was I started moving forward and I started really becoming me again, the mm-hmm. real me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and I had some, to have some hard conversations with some yeah. people. I had to self-advocate. I had to make difficult decisions for myself. Mm-hmm. And I can honestly say now, like five years later, I my life is completely different. If you wow. had told me in the hospital that mm-hmm. I would be a peer supervisor <laughs> in five years, for I would be like, yeah, okay, like, that seems like real far-fetched fantasy but here I am and I think that's the power of having peer support in my life Mm -hmm. and having learned what I've learned in recovery is that nobody is at a place that they have to be forever that that change and growth can happen change and growth can healing yes and more than that like what if if you see someone on their worst day, that does not mean that's their final destination. Mm -hmm. And if you are in a place where it's your worst day, it's not your final destination. So I have really learned and embraced that, that I've been like, okay, things are hard now, that's okay, because I see how they can grow. And everything I'm going through is helping me get better. As I started doing the puppet show, totally by accident, I was like, 
I'm going to do this puppet show, and all these puppets are going to be based on parts of my personality. And so they all had their names, and they all had their 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 different accents and voices. And and I was telling a fellow peer about this, and I was like, yeah, I, I have all these puppets, and I'm just, like, channeling different yep. parts of myself. And she's like, boom. That sounds a lot like internal family systems. And the second she said family, I was like, oh, I'm like, what is that? And she's like, no, 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 it's not that family. She's like, <laughs> it's like parts work. And I'm like, I've never heard of this before in my life. And she's like, you need to go look it up. And so I did. And I found internal family systems is actually huh. this process of identifying things within ourselves and parts of ourselves. And there you were doing a healing process. Just doing it on my own without even knowing it. Angela, that's <laughs> incredible. Yes, I love it. And I love parts work. And I've really learned that it's this mm-hmm. this concept of we all have our core self that's our best self. And that self gets buried with trauma and bad things that have happened and and symptoms and like just other emotions and it's taking a look at each of those parts and being like well what does it need and learning how to accept it and love ourselves with that what a creative way I mean without even knowing the context that you were able to do that with what works for you and I think sometimes when we think about treatment or healing we think oh it has to be this like very singular specific thing but I think what I've my takeaway from your journey has been it's been your journey it it probably won't look at anyone else because there's only one Anjanette that's true yeah <laughs> and I, I would definitely say that's true and yeah. I would say within me I have several parts of me like mm-hmm. there's Lilith who is this wall of protection and mm. and Regina who is my rage she <laughs> she's just got anger she's got a clever name anger. She, yeah. she named herself. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> but I've done all this work on myself, and I've really discovered who I am through it. And I have brought this with me to Community Reach. And mm. we now have, like, a parts work group that we do on Fridays. Fantastic. I just came from that amazing group oh, where great. we celebrated someone's graduation. It's oh, just... There's so many things. And I also um, do a Living With Voices group here at CRC as well to just kind of help people know that they're not alone in these in this journey. Mm-hmm. We can connect and talk about these things. And it's such a safe place to like go into a room and be able to say, hey, my voices are here and they're chatting to me and this is what they're saying. Yep. And, and to be able to hold that for each other. It's just amazing. Compassion matters, inclusivity matters. And your story, I think, shows that power when, mm-hmm. when we are vulnerable to share. Um, it makes a difference in people's lives. And I think sometimes people hear this stuff and they think, oh, it's cheesy or it's just, you know, come on, you talk. But I think this is like, re- this is actual healing work for so many people. And so, Anjanette, I mean, those are my takeaways. What would you want your takeaway for people listening about all of this? I think my takeaway would be wherever you are, it's not your ending point. You can continue to move forward and you can continue, continue to have an amazing life. And I, I would just, I would want to talk to all those people that have been told by the mental industry and mm-hmm. all the other places that they, that that they're beyond help, that they're not, that they're not, that it's not about getting rid of voices. It's about learning to work with them. Mm-hmm. It's not about like deciding you can't like have the life that you want because. A, B, C, and D, it's about learning how to adapt around that and figure out how to move forward. And that's what I want to do here at CRC. 
Well, I'm so glad we have you here. And thank you again so much for being willing to share. And I'm sure that someone listening to this will be impacted by your story. So thank you. You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining us for Reach for Wellness. If you want to stay tuned into future episodes that we'll have, you can connect on our website at communityreachcenter.org, and there you will get links to all of our social media pages. And there you can also learn more about the services we provide and maybe go to Anjanette's Living with Voices group. Take care and have a good one.